DanielBritt.com. Well, today's lineup is sterling because the group sitting with me now is not only good at what they do, but are genuine, down-to-earth human beings. And they can relate to everyday living, and that shows in their music. Welcome, the Tally Trio. Thank you. Thank you so much. Lauren, Deborah, yeah. and it's so good to have you guys here. And let's let's talk music, because uh, it's primarily what you guys do. <laughs> the Tally name has been a, a long-time name in the world of gospel music. And if we can go back to the beginning, Deborah, with you, how did you get introduced to this music, and how did that lead to a career in it? Uh, There's quite a story behind that. I, uh, of course, grew up in church singing, you know, just in my little church. My mom was a church pianist, and, and I grew up singing uh, my whole life. Uh, never dreamed that I would ever be in this, this music. Never had any ambition to do that, because I really didn't know that that was possible. Hmm. Uh, but the first time that I was, uh, of course, we went to singings, and, and I knew of the lot, a lot of the groups, watching them on television yeah. growing up. But uh, the first time I... Uh, got involved in the music was with a group called the Songmasters from Milan, Tennessee. And they had uh, sung at my church. And my dad knew them, but I had never really heard them before. And they didn't know we were related. So they were having their daughter was leaving the group. And uh, they were looking for a singer. Actually, they were really praying for God to show them the right one. And uh, I had been at work, and I got in a little bit late as the concert started. And... Um, he approached me after it was over, and, and he didn't tell me this at the time. Later on, after they hired me, he said, God literally showed me to him in the audience. And uh, one month later, I was traveling first time when I was 19 years old um, on my first, with my first group. And uh, from then on, you know, I met Roger on the road, mm-hmm. and, you know, kind of the rest is history. We've talked about this before, but tell me again the influence that Eva May LaFevre had in your life. Well, Eva May is such a dear person, and I, I try to talk to her pretty often even now. But, uh, you know, I, as I said, I grew up listening to people like the LaFevres and the Spears and mm-hmm. all of those people. And I can remember growing up and listening to the Gospel Caravan <laughs> and watching that on television at home. And uh, so, you know, those, were, those people were just, uh, I didn't dream I'd ever even get to know any of those people. But when, after a few years I'd been in gospel music, I was traveling at the time with the Hoppers. Yeah. And Roger and I, after we married, and I was traveling with them. And we were at the quartet convention in Nashville. We were only there for one night. We actually didn't even have a booth. And we were set up in a hallway. And uh, at that point in my career, I guess you would say, I was not feeling the best about myself, about my singing. I was a bit discouraged, mm. and I thought, you know, what am I doing here? These people are so much better than I am. And, you know, I guess that Satan just gave me those doubts in my mind. And um, Eva May walked up to our table, and, of course, she'd known Connie for many years, and we were standing there, and um, I was just just looking at her because she was a star to me. And she spoke to Connie, and then she turned to me and she said, I don't know who you are, but you sure can sing. <laughs> and all I could say was, thank you, you know. And yeah. uh, I walked away with a different attitude. You know, it only takes one person to make a difference in your life, mm-hmm. just one encouraging word. And I thought, maybe I'm not looking at this the right way, you know. Yeah. So uh, God began to do a work in my life at that point, And um, I will always be grateful to her because she's been very instrumental. Now, Lauren, by the time you came along, I guess the tallies were already going and there was already a career in gospel music. So it wasn't like they just had the gospel singing caravan on as as just casual fans of the music. Uh, how did you how did you learn about the music? Was it was it because they were on the road all the time? Well, mom and dad grew up seeing all those groups on TV. I grew up with the front row seat in the house for all of those groups. Yeah. 
mom and dad and Kirk formed the tallies when I was a year old. And I spent my entire childhood from ages one through ten on a bus. And I would come up and sing a song at some point in their program every night. I would quote, quote a little scripture and then go back to the babysitter. Yeah, yeah. And <laughs> so the, the life of a gospel singer was my life uh, since the beginning. And I grew to know all of the artists personally and felt like uh, a, a daughter and a little sister to a lot of them. Mm-hmm. And so I grew up with the music. And it's so funny now to to me to be uh, a peer of a lot of the people that I grew up admiring and and being inspired by. I tell Karen Peck most every time that I see her, when I was little, oh, I wanted to be her. I wanted to wear my hair just like her. I wanted to sing high like her. And I probably don't think I've accomplished either one of those just yet. But, right, right. Um, I, I had so many positive influences early in my life, and of course, I, I loved the music that Mom and Dad sang, and that's of course shaped who I am as an artist now. But I've had a lot of wonderful influences over my life. I don't know if I was there or not. I don't remember. But my grandfather tells me that that the Tallies came to our church in Warner Robins, Georgia, and Lauren was a baby and she was not feeling well. And Deborah, you had to spend, you were spending a lot of time on the bus trying to care for her. When those times came on the road how how was it raising raising a child uh and traveling like that you know it was pretty difficult and back in those days uh unless you were a family group that everybody had extra people to care for you, nobody had nannies then yeah. nobody yeah. and i think we were one of the first to carry a person with us to help care for our children mm-hmm. and um it was hard for mom to leave a baby that was sick or or when she was just out of sorts or, you know, yeah. it was hard, especially in her school days when she would have a play at school or something that I desperately wanted to be at and uh, to go and do what we knew we were called to do. But I had hoped it would not scar her too badly. And I, I think she's turned out pretty good, though. But, you know, it, those times do come up in their heart. But uh, you just have to keep going. And uh, God gives you a whole lot of other blessings, though. Um, they kind of make for, for some of those things. I have to say that I was not left at home very often. I <laughs> I was on the bus for probably 90, 95% of all of their travels. Mm-hmm. And the few times that... That I did stay at home, it would be with the babysitter or with my with my grandparents, and those those times were hard uh, for you know for the for a kid and for the parents, but I think it's the most important thing that a child knows that they're loved and that the parents are excited to include them in their lives, and that's one thing that I've always been very thankful for, and that I want to pass on to my children someday, to know that while you know your parents. Um, love love you and want to be involved in your life they want to involve you in their lives as yeah, well yeah. and that was an important thing to me growing up and it still is how old were you when that um i, don't, I guess it was just a cassette tape i don't know if it was uh, a companion record or what but i know it was a cassette tape lauren tally and it, uh, was that the only one that was made of you when you were a child i did three tapes when i was little i believe the first one i was five years old yeah, and i did one. one when i was seven and maybe nine okay and uh they had uh like five or six songs on one side, and yeah. then on the other side would be the companion soundtracks for, right. for kids to sing along with it right. at Sunday school or church or wherever. And so that was my introduction, I guess, to the whole <laughs> recording process. And I I would sing. Do you remember like the like the five year old recording oh, when yes. you were five? Oh yes, 
we we still have some copies at home. Yeah. I mean, do you remember the process? You remember going yes, in the studio? Yes, I, I remember. Singing? I didn't understand why I had to sing the same song a lot of times over yeah. and over again, and. <laughs> And uh, that that was quickly explained to me, but I really enjoyed it. And I remember <laughs> the second project that I did, I was probably seven years old and mom and dad should have known what they were getting into later in life. Yeah. Because I remember telling my dad on a particular song what kind of track that I wanted. I, I wanted a, <laughs> some kind of I said I wanted some really wild or funky music or something like that. I don't remember. I, I do remember specifying, though, that I wanted a specific thing for a certain song, and so I'm yeah. sure they thought, oh, goodness, what, what have we gotten into? Well, I can tell you how it was when she was six. We did a Christmas uh, project, and they, we wanted her to come in and sing the first part of Away in a Manger, and then the key change would come, and then sure. we would come in and make a big production out of it. And so uh, we brought her to Nashville, and, uh, you know, we're in there singing these songs day after day, you know, going through them two and three times to get the best cut and she walks in six years old comes in sings her verse one time and the producer looked at us he said why can't you all do that (laughs) he said okay just so you won't feel bad lauren sing it one more time and they actually used the first cut so you know it it was a little disgusting but (laughs) we were proud of her you still that good yes Uh, she is (laughs) i'm hardly ever completely happy with my first take I, I have to uh, I have to admit I am very much a perfectionist. I have inherited my dad's musical genes when it yeah. comes to uh, the creative side and uh, the recording process. We usually have an, a pre- pretty good idea of what we're going for in the studio, and so I I try to make every effort to make sure that it gets there. And yeah. so yes, we tend to analyze things uh, probably a bit too much sometimes, but that's all part of the process. I've heard you say several times that even though you grew up. You know, immersed in gospel music, that's not all you listen to. Oh, no. We had all kinds of music in our cassette players uh, in our house growing up. My dad loved the group First Call uh, from, uh, they were a contemporary Christian group from the yeah. 80s, and he loved everything that they did. And so I was exposed to a lot of different genres of music. When I was 10 years old, my favorite artist was Harry Connick Jr. I got really into jazz and big band and swing music then. And I grew up wanting to emulate singers like CeCe Winans and Winona and Barbara Streisand. Mm -hmm. And really, I've I've just drawn inspiration wherever I could find it. And if I happen to hear something that I really like, I'll try to figure out how to do it and or how I can work sure. into a song of mine. And I think all of those things have helped shape who I am now as a singer. So I, I've had a lot of different influences. If you had to pick a particular favorite, would CeCe be uh, among, among your favorites? She would definitely be close to the top of the list. <laughs> <laughs> I thought so. I wanted to talk to uh, to you, actually to Roger, about the Hoppers. And I forgot that, Deborah, you were a part of the Hoppers as well. Yeah. Give me again the, the year range of when you were singing with them. Um, let's see. I was there from 1979, I think. Up to about 1982, and that's when I was expecting Lauren, so I left the group. Uh, I came back off and on to fill in at different times when they were making some personnel changes. But um, who filled in for you? Uh, nobody. I mean, I, I I sang from that. Oh, I see. Yeah, okay. I sang from that point on. Uh, but uh, I I did leave the group uh, permanently after that. But right. I was okay. the first girl they ever had, other than Connie, and they had not even considered having another girl at the yeah. time. At the time, Roger and Kirk were traveling. Kirk had graduated high school in 1976 and then had started on the road with them full time. And, uh, of course, you know, Kirk's a pretty high singer, so yeah. he, he and Connie could trade off any time, and he also played bass. 
Well, then in, after uh, 1979 is when he went with the Cathedral Quartet. Mm-hmm. And at the time, they had a lot of Christmas dinner concerts we used to do booked. And um, they... The cathedrals wanted him immediately, so he left to go, to go with them, and Claude went to Roger, and he said, do you think uh, Deborah could come and fill in till the first of the year? And uh, Roger said, well, sure, and because all those uh, dates were set. And uh, I always joke and say, Claude just forgot to tell him what year, because I was <laughs> there for several years after that. But I have to say that was one, that was truly a God thing. That was one of the most... Um, uh, important times in my life. First of all, Roger and I were newly married, and we got to travel together. And and, and uh, Connie has been, other than my mother, has been one of the most influential people in my life. Uh, Connie's not one of those people that get in your face and preach or mm. tell you what you ought to do, but you watch her life on a daily basis, yeah. and uh, she's truly been an inspiration to me. So that I understand it, Kirk and Roger were with the Hoppers at the same time? Yes, Roger went with them in 1974 as their pianist and was there until... Uh, he left to, to form the tallies. And uh, Kirk was just still in high school. Mm-hmm. So they needed somebody to fill in one time. He said, well, my brother sings high and he can play the bass. So he came and he would actually either drive or fly to meet them uh, on weekends when when they needed him while he was still in high school. So when he graduated, they hired him full time in 76. Gotcha. So the hoppers and the tallies are pretty close. Pretty close. We're yeah, we're kind of joined at the hip, you might say. <laughs> if 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 the opportunity with the hoppers never came, do you think there would still be a tally legacy? Like you know, I, I really can't say that there would be. Um, uh, who knows? Yeah. But but it certainly wasn't God's plan. So you know, I, I kind of doubt that it would have happened. And the the tallies as Kirk, Roger, and Deborah traveled until what year? Uh, we. We started traveling in, in uh, 1984, January of 84, and we, we ended our travels in April of 93, so just shy of 10 years. And uh, it was a, that was a wonderful time, but uh, God had other plans. And so when the tallies came off the road in the early 90s, Lauren, how old were you? I was 10 years old. And that was a big adjustment for me because the road life was all that I had known up to that yeah. point. And... I was starting middle school that year and coming off the road. So I had two big things to to get used to in a hurry. And for the next three years, we basically, our lives revolved around our church and my school endeavors. Mm -hmm. And mom went back to college for a little while. And uh, my dad still worked in, in the recording studio quite a lot. And and we just spent a lot of time at home as a family during that time. And probably the next year when I was 11, for some reason, the idea stuck in my head that I should attend something like the Steve Hurst School, which sure. is a, a music school yeah. for uh, aspiring singers and, and writers and, and so forth. And so, so you still had it in your mind you wanted to do this? No, not really. Uh, singing was just something that I enjoyed and was was starting to get a little more interested in it. So I thought, well, that that'd kind of be fun to do for a while. And so Steve, Mom contacted Steve, and, and he said, we would love for you to come. If And he told her, he said, if she would teach. Yeah. And and she said, well, I, I can't teach. I, I've never done that before. So she ended up teaching that year, and I was a vocal student for the first time. At that school, I think, is where God finally showed me that I had a separate job and a separate gift apart from what mom and dad had always done. Mm-hmm. And I, I learned so much my time there. I was a student there for the next seven years. Wow. And 
I learned so much about, of course, the technical side of of singing and performing, but God showed me so much about myself and about life there, and I learned so much about Him there. And it's been such an interesting ride for me. I cannot believe that the Tally Trio has been singing together in this capacity for 10 years. 10 years. But we started singing together when I was 13, and we didn't keep a full-time schedule in the beginning. We were just performing occasionally locally and and uh, regionally. And so the first time we ever sang, yes, I'm glad you reminded me of that. The first time we ever sang together was for a Christmas banquet in our hometown at the country club. For a bank. Yeah. One of the local banks. Yeah. yeah. And we really did not even know an hour's worth of songs to sing together. Well, we we had, just were scrambling yeah, to find yeah. material wherever we could. We had actually, they called us and, and knew that, you know, we'd always sung. And, you know, Lauren had never sung the Christmas album because it was recorded with Kirk. Sure. And, but she was really interested in singing and had a great ear. And so they called us and said, do you think you could do just a little program for us, for our, our employees? And Roger said, sure. And it was to give Lauren an outlet because she wanted to sing, but yeah. there weren't that many opportunities. So we thought, oh, we'll sing around when people ask us, you know. Yeah. And so um, he went to Lauren. He said, Lauren. Do you think you can sing Kirk's part on the album? And she never has ever had a, a doubt, I guess, about her ability. She just immediately said, sure, I can sing it. And he well, said, when you hear it every night, your entire childhood, you know, so that we kind of becomes doing, ingrained in you. We were doing some pretty yeah. difficult arrangements like Sleigh Ride and those yeah. kind of things. Oh, that arrangement and, uh, of Sleigh Ride is a killer. So, um, you know, if we, we thought we did pretty well that night, but if yeah. we actually had a recording of it, we might change our minds. I'm not sure. I have so many great memories of things like that looking back. In the beginning, we had no idea that we would end up here now as this group yeah. and I definitely did not see myself as a full-time gospel singer when I was a kid and you know what it's funny when I was growing up I wanted to be an English teacher or uh, an astronaut or you know I, I went through the typical ballerina fire chief, sure, yeah, chief yeah, phases right. that every kid goes through <laughs> and I never saw myself here where I am today and I can't really see where I'll be in the future mm-hmm. but that's okay um, God is showing me Little by little, different things every day. So I've en- I've enjoyed the ride so far, and I'm so excited to see where the future is going to go. Well, I do have to say one thing, that Lauren, when she was growing up, went through several phases. However, the one that she has uh, never, ever, and will never, ever get to, uh, at one point in time, she thought she could be the next female Michael Jordan. And that did I'm not only happen. Five, yeah. so well, it never really happened. Happen. She loved basketball, yeah. but we are avid watchers of basketball yeah. and not players. Oh, okay. <laughs> so when you sing in these arenas, are you kind of in awe of the basketball? Oh, know, I'm the, so into that. The locker room when we would stuff? do the Gaither Homecoming Tour, you know, they're always held in these NBA arenas and, and different things like that. Yeah. So we would go around backstage, like around the locker rooms and all that, and look at all the sports memorabilia mm. and everything that's there. So we are rabid women's college basketball fans. Did they ever lower the, the goals and let y'all play before they set up equipment or a stage or anything? Well, sometimes. Normally they get the, the big goals out of the way pretty quick because they have to set the seats the up and the stage up. Backstage, yeah, usually yeah. there's like a little practice arena, so gotcha. sometimes yeah. we go in there and play. During that period when the tallies weren't traveling, did you think it just assumed it was over and you were going to... Roger was going to produce or do studio work, and you were just you know, in a normal life. Yeah. In 1993, when we disbanded, um, God had really been dealing with me for three years. And I didn't want to say a whole lot to Roger. I didn't understand it because I thought, this is nuts. We're doing fine, and yeah. I don't understand. We don't. I mean, you're giving up your livelihood, but, you know, it was something I could not get away from. And I prayed, and God kept showing me, kept showing me, but we had to wait. Yeah. And finally, when 
when we discussed it and we did feel the release. It was a three-year wait. It was the most miserable three years I've ever spent. Mm-hmm. Um, not knowing what God wanted or when he wanted it, but but it was so strong. Um, and, of course, hindsight is twenty twenty, And I can see where he was going yeah. with it now. Yeah. But at the time, I didn't. So when we came off the road, um, you know, we were just really concentrating on, as Lauren approached teenage years, we wanted to be sure that she was, you know, she'd been on the road her whole life. I just wanted to have her in a good church, uh, doing her things at school. And uh, But God, I think, had us off the road so that he could show her what her gift was, Apart from mom and dad, mm. she could have always sung with us and probably been fine. But you know, when God calls you and gives you um, that special place yeah. that you know it's from Him, it means something totally different. And as a result, I think it wasn't that we just evolved into this; it was God's plan all along. And it's you know everything is for a season, but um, I certainly can see that that was His plan, and it's kind of exciting to see what He'll do in the future. I mean, it you know things may. Change and, and sure. certainly will, sure. but there's always a you know there's always a lot of excitement in that. During that period of that hiatus that you guys took, uh, were you still selling product from your office and, still, and were you doing Gaither videos during that period? No, that was actually kind of before that. Um, was it? We we did some right just early when the Gaither things first started. I think it was like the third Gaither video. He called and asked if Roger and Kirk and I would come. And so we did that. Was and that old friends with He Is Here and Kirk? Yeah. Did yeah. Mm-hmm. People saw that video um, like in the early to mid-90s and thought the tallies were a new group when they had already disbanded. So. <laughs> it was a whole new audience. Yeah. It was a whole new yeah. audience. So they yeah. thought it was a new group. And uh, and then Lauren would come about the first video that she was on was the one in Texas, Texas, Texas Homecoming. Yeah, and she was at the hotel and uh, because there wasn't place for everybody on the stage or for the families to be. So I was really careful. And so she said, well, I'll just stay at the hotel. And she locked the doors and everything. And, and I would call and check on her. And, and uh, there were several people that were not able to get there for some reason. I don't remember yeah. what it was. So they were looking for people to come and fill spots on the stage. Well, Lauren knew every song that had ever been sung by any of these people. And so Roger... Ben said, do you know any, Ben Spears said to Roger, said, do you know anybody that could come and sit up here and sing? And he said, well, Lauren's back at the hotel and and she can do it. He said, call her. And so we went over and got her, brought her over, and she was so thrilled. That was the biggest thrill for her. And she was just kind of on the back row, but loving every minute of it. So So was that Texas Homecoming shoot, was that before this group? Started singing, or was it? A that was after? right at the beginning. At the beginning, we yeah. were probably had just recorded our first project together, and I because I was thinking, I think I was about thirteen or fourteen, 14 at the time. I believe you. Right. So yes, we had just started singing together, and of course, you know, I had grown up seeing and knowing all of those artists on the stage, and yeah. I knew all of those songs, so I, uh, I I was too far away from the teleprompters to even read them, but I had so much fun with that. It was great that all of those artists. Uh, that I had known for years uh, made me feel like I belonged there that day. And that was the first in a, a long string of Gaither videos that that I was privileged to be a part of. And, and those are relationships that you don't forget. Yeah. Technically, in the beginning, I, it's always been a tally trio. In the beginning, you were known as the tallies. Um, now you're known as the tally trio. When did the, Why the name change? Uh, the name change was because of... Uh, 
um, out of respect for Kirk, um, mm. you know, because that was the tallies. And it was a little bit to differentiate that there, this was something new. Mm-hmm. And, and because we couldn't think of anything else. We couldn't think of a more <laughs> clever name. So we just went with the tally trio. And, uh, and actually, we're not the first tally trio. That's right. Mom, uh, I'm sorry, Dad and Kirk and their sister, Diane, when they were kids, used to sing together regionally, and they were known as the Tally Trio. Really? Yes, they recorded an album, and, of course, using that name. And so we're actually the, the second Tally yeah, Trio. If you hear that album, we have some of those, and it's the funniest. Oh, the pictures are oh, hysterical. Oh, the picture is wonderful. And when I heard it the first time, I thought, oh, my goodness, y'all sounded like the chipmunks. Yeah, it was really yeah. all little high voices. It was great. Well, obviously, Lauren brings a different sound than Kirk had, and... Uh, just naturally because of her voice and his voice. But did you intentionally make the sound different? Did you do anything to shake it up a bit? I've always felt that music is art, and it should be kept as such. When you try to manipulate art down to science, it's mm-hmm. just not the same. So if we had deliberately tried to make the sound what it is now, I just don't think it would have happened that way. It's just really an expression of who I am and who we are as a group, and really what what you hear is just naturally what. And is I don't us. think we could have manipulated it because she was so young, mm-hmm. and because of all the changes that she has as a person, as a singer, uh, and and us as a family. And you go through these these different phases of your lives, mm-hmm. and uh, certainly her voice changed over the over time. We just wanted to give her a platform to sing and mm-hmm. enjoy, mm-hmm. and to see where it took us. And it and it's. Uh, the sound has just kind of evolved, I guess. And, and probably we'll still keep evolving the longer yet, that we I, sing together. Yeah, and then yeah. I think we still have some of the qualities that the tallies had. I think yeah. we still, the yeah. musically, it's a lot the same. Lauren probably brought, brought a little more soul to the, to the mix, but, yeah. uh, and, and even, even that's changed over time. Sure. How would you classify the current sound? Would you put it in a box? I would hope not. <laughs> um, I think that's probably the most distinguishing characteristic of us is that we really are not in a box musically. Yeah. We like so many different styles of music that it's hard for us to just pick the one thing that we like the best and feel that we do the best. So when you listen to the tallies, you'll hear a lot of influences from the black gospel field, mm-hmm. uh, probably a little bit more so on my solo things from the contemporary field. We d- We do such a wide variety that... That's one thing that I enjoy the most about our music is that it gives me opportunities to sing different things in a program to, to give everyone a little bit different taste musically. You ever get criticized, especially in your solo projects, for, for branching out and doing the other styles when you're a tally and you should be singing Southern Gospel? Do you ever, I mean, no, I haven't really been yet. I, I think that people by now have come to expect that from us. Yeah. And make no mistake about it, we know without a shadow of a doubt, where our roots are firmly planted. And I have such an enormous respect for those Southern Gospel artists that have gone before me and made it possible for me to do what I'm doing now. And there are a lot of artists that, especially in Southern Gospel now, that of course are drawing musical influences from, Mm -hmm. from other genres. And I think that's great because the people that we sing to, I think they like a lot of different things and may not get many opportunities to to hear Christian music done that sure, way. Sure. So that's one thing that I 
that I want to provide for, for our listeners, something that grandma and grandpa will enjoy and something that the little kids and the teenagers will enjoy too. Is that how you see the future of this industry continuing? I hope so. I, one of the largest uh, fan bases that I think this industry has, one of the largest assets that I think it has, is the family. And our music is is definitely designed, the Tally's music especially, is definitely designed to relate to the family because mm-hmm. that's who we are. And so I think it's very important for us to consider all members of the family from, of course, you know, the young ones to grandma and grandpa, mm-hmm. and to honor the music of the past and at the, at the same time look ahead to the future. Tell me about the Spanish that you've put into some of your songs. Is, is that Hablo co- poquito <laughs> español. Is it coincidental, or is it just you just like the language? Is what's? Uh, I, I took a Spanish class in high school. Yeah. And ironically, my teacher happened to be a gospel music fan, <laughs> and so she knew my family and, and knew a little bit about what we did, and so I had a song pitched to me for my Surrender solo album mm-hmm. that was kind of a more of a Latin pop feel, kind mm-hmm. of a. a you know, Mark Anthony, Ricky Martin kind of feel. And so we thought, wouldn't it be fun to just throw that on the album as maybe yeah. like a bonus cut yeah. and, and do a little Spanish in there? So my teacher, uh, she was my freshman Spanish teacher, and uh, I called her up after two or three years of being out of her class and said, would you translate this for me? Yeah. And she did, and that's become one of the most fun songs that we have in our repertoire. And I've gone on to study some more Spanish in college, and... I'm not anywhere close to proficient yet yeah, or, or yeah. fluent, but it, it's just a little hobby of mine. There. And then Almighty. Has yes. A, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The name of that song was Almighty. Yeah. And I've, I've also done uh, a Spanish version of a song on my newest project, right. I Live, uh, called Lord, I Believe in You. Right. So those those are a lot of fun because, you know, the uh, the face of America is changing. And uh, we have uh, we're, we're seeing more and more uh, Hispanic listeners at some of our concerts, especially you know, around the, the Texas and mm-hmm. Oklahoma area, the southwest. So that's always exciting to see uh, folks that might never really hear Southern gospel that much are, sure, sure. are being attracted to the music, too. So that's exciting. Now, you've, uh, in your solo work, you have, uh, it's also allowed you to branch out and do some duets with uh, yes. Jason Crabb and Searchin. And, uh, and one of my favorites is the version with David Phelps. Oh, mine too. Thank you. And I may have lived under a rock, I don't know, but that was the first time I ever heard that song was the David Lauren version. Uh, I didn't hear the, the Andrea Bocelli and Celine Dion. We use it in our wedding, though. Oh, uh, And uh, we had some people sing it, and we just love that song. If you are working on a new project and you could have a pick of somebody to do a duet with that you haven't done it with yet, who would that be? If I could just pick anyone? Yeah. Oh, that's a dangerous question. <laughs> I would love to sing a duet with Michael Buble. You may have to tell me uh, who that is. Oh, Daniel. Daniel. Oh, okay. <laughs> Okay, Michael Bublé is a cross between Frank Sinatra and Harry Connick Jr. Uh, he's, uh, he's kind of becoming a, a more widely known figure in the jazz pop mm-hmm. world, but he has a phenomenal voice. As far as in the Christian music world, oh my goodness, I, I've I've really already done my 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 dream duet, I guess, with David Phelps. Yeah. There's a guy in in Southern gospel music that I think is horribly underrated. But he has an incredible, incredible voice, and that's Bill Shivers with Brian Free and Assurance. Right. So I right. enjoy singing with him sometime. He'll be honored to hear that, I'm sure. And when we talk to him tomorrow, I'll let him know that. All right. Um, and maybe he'll take you up on the offer. Maybe maybe we'll hear uh, something soon coming out to radio. Maybe now, now that it's <laughs> captured electronically, he'll be held to it. That, that's true. <laughs> um, that, that's true. Uh, Lauren Talley solo versus the Talley trio, is it? 
is it all under the same umbrella, or uh, are we looking at kind of like two different ministries going on here? Do you do solo dates independent of your family? I haven't really done that much in the past. I am beginning to now. I have my first weekend of solo dates coming up in about a month, and I'm really excited are about you, that. Are you... Are they staying at home? Or you, yes, uh, yes, I'm staying yeah. home. <laughs> yes. yes, I'm, uh, and you're, I'm you're gonna beginning to talk from the beginning to the end, introduce the songs. Oh, and yeah. uh, You've been doing a lot of that with, with the group, so mm-hmm. it should come naturally. I guess. Yes, uh, I'm very much looking forward to that. It's, it's going to be uh, an opportunity for me, of course, to put more of an individualized stamp on mm-hmm. a concert, I guess. Of course, they, they do see uh, a piece of me individually. Uh, in a regular Tally Trio concert. But I think this will give uh, give me an outlet to do a little extra as far as that goes. So I'm excited. Sure. Do you have a website? I do we- not have an, an individual website yet. Okay. You can still find all information about Lauren Tally solo things that you need at www.tallytrio.com. Okay. Let's talk about Roger a little bit since he's not here. That's uh, right. We'll- he can't defend himself. Yes, that's right. <laughs> Tell me something about your, your dad, your husband, that um, that may be. Everybody doesn't know about him. We've already heard that he's he's got a perfectionist personality when it comes to music. He See? loses a lot of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> and that may be just, I don't know. Why is I think that's a characteristic thing? of a creative I think person. Yeah. Uh, that, no, really, I think people do not know that Roger has a great sense of humor. Yeah. I think he, they think he's... Uh, because sometimes on stage he'll just throw in funny lines and they're going, I didn't know Roger was that funny or I didn't know he, you know, had that kind of personality, but he is, um, and he is a great, uh, producer. And I'm not talking about, they, they may think, uh, they hear the things that he produces on our album and maybe respect that. Sure. But I have watched him in the studio with other people. He produces a lot of other people. Uh, he's a lot nicer to them than he is to us. <laughs> You're always the most honest when yeah, you're with your family. Well, you so. yeah. But uh, he just can bring out things in people that he works with. And I'm just amazed. And they love him. He, he could, you know, tell them to stand on their head and sing that again. And they'd probably try it. You know, mm-hmm. he, he mm-hmm. just has a great rapport with people. Have either of you ever written songs? I have written a few. Um, there, some of them are still in the closet, but we have recorded a couple. But uh, yeah, I wrote uh, and I co-wrote several with with different people. Uh, one was um, "Built on the Rock" that I wrote with Jaron Davis, and um, and that was a single, right? That was a single. Yeah, yeah that was one yeah. of our first singles. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, and uh, so I, I I had a, probably the great foresight to know that I was not that good, mm-hmm. so I uh, would talk to different writers that I respected a lot and they would say, Well tell me your idea and and then it would evolve into, Well can you help me with this? So yeah, uh, yeah. you know, you learn from people and, and I've I've worked with some pretty good people. This question just popped in my head. I hope it's not unfair. Uh, if there was something that you would love to forget an experience on stage, what would that be? And that's an unfair question because as soon as you say it, I guess it won't be forgotten. <laughs> that's true, but I have about four of them that I would like to No, and you know I don't mind thinking of it now because it's funny now. Yeah. There, there's just hilarious things that happen on stage. And we could go on sure. for endless, but I won't I won't do that to you. But the first group that I ever sang with, we were singing down in uh, around Jonesboro, Arkansas. And we were on stage. It was a, a kind of a regional convention. I think even Roger Bennett was there. He was like 15 years old. Wow. Uh, but anyway, that was the, the first group that I sang with. And I had a tooth that that... I had just had a crown and I had a temporary crown on. Of course, it was in the front. Absolutely, mm-hmm. uh, you know. And so I'm singing, and my tooth fell out on the stage. 
And I, I was afraid to smile. I was afraid to sing. And there it, and I couldn't pick it up. And so the people that I was singing with, the gentleman that was the manager and he, the bass singer of our group, he was kind of in the moment and really, you know, preaching and, and just into the moment. He didn't moment. know what happened. He didn't know what happened. And he wore these big old cowboy boots and they looked like boats. And every time he would pick his foot up and take a step, it would land right beside that tooth. And I thought, if he crushes that tooth, I don't know what I'll do with the rest of the weekend. So all of a sudden he kind of kicks his foot and kicks it off the stage into the front row. And this gentleman, dear sweet man that I don't know who he was, but I will forever be grateful <laughs> to him, looks at me and went, like he winks, like I've got it, and he had it in his hand. So as we took our bows to leave the stage, I just walked up to the edge of the stage, kind of bent down. He put it in my hand, and I walked off the stage. And there were three ladies there in a in a ladies trio, and God provides, I'm telling yeah. you, because they were all three dental hygienists. Oh and my. so they helped me put that tooth back on with eyelash adhesive. And it stayed in the rest of the weekend. So those are the kind of things. And they typically happen to me. So yeah, well. <laughs> well, I remember one time I was probably about seven or eight. And we were singing for a youth retreat one year. We, we did this same same event like every December. And it was my turn to go out and sing my one song and then, mm-hmm. you know, go mm-hmm. back to the bus. Well, I had been chewing gum before it was time for me to go out on stage. And I never chew gum. I don't like it. But yeah. I, I did. Maybe this one incident just kind of ruined me on it for the rest of my <laughs> life. But I was chewing gum. And I was I realized all of a sudden that Kirk was introducing me. So I was trying to get the gum out of my mouth. And it got caught in my hair right in the front. <laughs> you remember this? No, I don't remember that. Oh, I'm sure you will after I finish telling it. <laughs> but anyway, the gum got caught right on the end of... Uh, of the strand of hair right in the front, and I absolutely panicked. I didn't. I couldn't get it out. I didn't know what to do. So I called Mom over to the edge of the stage, and she's looking at me like, "What's wrong with you?" And, and she comes over and she says, "Oh, honey, we'll we'll get this out later." <laughs> we push my hair back behind my shoulder because it was much longer then. Yeah. So I sang the song with that part of my hair back behind my shoulder. And then it, when it was time for me to turn my back to the audience and go backstage, I pulled the hair back around in front again and, <laughs> and went backstage. And I remember I was so mortified that night. Wow. And I can look back, back at it now, and I think it's hilarious because, you know, you're just a little kid and sure, things like that sure. happen. And uh, I probably have not had as many embarrassing moments on stage as some other people, but I'm sure my time's coming. So. Yeah, you're, you're probably due. <laughs> um, what's the latest project that you guys have recorded? The newest project is entitled Rise Above. Yeah. And uh, we've uh, had the new single off of that is uh, My God is a Mountain Mover. And uh, written by Jim Brady. And your picture's on the mountain, right? Yeah. And we are actually, yeah, that's not we one really of those computerized things. Yeah, yeah. You are. You're that's not on, you're on the blue Rock, Yeah, that's <laughs> Chimney Rock, North Carolina. And they took us up there. And, of course, you ride the elevator up so far. Then you walk up there, and we keep thinking. And the farther up you go, the colder it gets. And uh, the we were. And aren't you in heels? Yeah, yes. but we. Yeah. I, I I wondered. I said, now I wonder how uh, how steep this mountain is, or how well, much. Well, it wasn't to too bad. It was obviously it was not risen. that bad if I'm standing up on top of <laughs> yeah. three but, inch but, heels. But, but I tell you, perching <laughs> yourself on top of that rock was very. It was precarious. a little tough to balance, yeah. but it was it was pretty cold that day, and the wind was blowing like crazy. So we got maybe three shots where our hair wasn't completely covering our face. So that's what you see <laughs> yeah. on the cover. <laughs> yeah. And you mentioned your your new project. Uh, what's the name of it? The name of that is I Live. 
Okay, and that's great. also the current single that's out right now. And then in concerts, you just sort of mix it all together. You do some tally yes. trio stuff. You do some solo we stuff. Mm-hmm. Roger plays. Roger yes. plays. Yeah. We do. We we try to uh, have a big variety. And uh, Lauren, sometimes if there's a break, uh, and, and you know we have a first set, and then there's a break and comes back. Sometimes she will open up the second set with a couple mm-hmm. of songs of her own. And and as well, there are some of her songs uh, interspersed in with the regular tally sure. trio things. Sure. So again, the website tallytrio.com. You got that's it. And tell me about the email newsletter. I send out an email newsletter once a month. Uh, it's usually around the, the end of the month. Sometimes it's whenever I get around to writing it. But um, <laughs> or when I we just have try to news. yes. When I just try to keep the audience kind of up to date on what's happening with us. I want it to be as personal as possible because uh, yeah. if uh, there, there's a little bit of a difference between reading you know a mass email or an advertisement and getting a personal note from someone. Sure. So sure. I, I really want the listeners to feel like that they're getting a special special message from me. And I, I let the audience know, you know, where we're going, what we're doing, funny things that have just happened, exciting events that are coming up, mm-hmm. just a little glimpse into into what our everyday life is like. So you can uh, you can also sign up for the email newsletter on the website, too. And if your favorite colors are orange and white, you'll enjoy reading them. <laughs> Better believe it. Guys, let's do this again soon. We love okay. it. Awesome, Thank Daniel. you Thank so you. much. Thanks. Now that was a good interview. That was good. Interview. You yep. asked very interesting questions. Yep, I appreciate sure that. Sure do.